If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Good morning. Uh, if you are someone who takes notes on the back of your service sheet, uh, let me give you three points. You can basically cross out all of them except the first one, which is United with Christ. But if you want to take notes, uh, here's your new structure. United with Christ, where I fit in, and then how we do that. Uh, that's if you want to take notes. Uh, the other thing is to say, last week I said grab a study book. Uh, there was only very, t very limited study books. We now have new study books out this week. Uh, they've been folded beautifully. Uh, this has everything in it for this series that you can imagine, a Bible reading plan, uh, growth group studies, uh, ideas for family devotion. So let me encourage you, if you want to get the most out of this series, grab one of them. It's not too late to start. We can join together as a church, seeing that there is something greater. Let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are uh, the great, the highest King, uh, the God of the universe, the God to whom one day... Uh, all of us will bow our knees to. Uh, thank you, God, that you speak to us, that you show us that there is something better than what's going on in front of us. We pray this morning that we would see that. We pray that as we leave uh, these, these church, this, these building, this building, uh, that we would be encouraged in our faith, encouraged to live our lives uh, loving each other. We pray that you'd help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully in uh, your social media life you've come across humans of New York. If you haven't, maybe you don't have social media or maybe you just don't know how to use social media. This is what uh, Humans of New York is. It's a great page. Uh, it shows you stuff like this, but it's a great page. Before you look at the picture though, uh, the page is great because it tells us people's stories. Right, so Humans of New York, it's a great page, it's a huge success, and basically what it does is just tells you people's stories. So a guy goes around, he takes photos of people along the way, and then he tells you their stories. And why it's great is because you realise that people you would never even recognise, or people you never thought to ask the question, what's their story, and, and you find out about their story. And so you come across people like this guy, right? 
clearly something strange going on for this guy, but I don't know about you, I wouldn't personally ask what this guy's story is, right? There's no way that I would be doing that if I came across him in the city. There's a few things I'm thinking. The last is what his story. I'm thinking drugs are involved. I'm thinking something's weird going on for him. I'm not thinking what his story is. But this is what his, he says that his story is. This is what he says. He says, I'm just trying to make people's lives a little bit weirder. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you know someone who can relate to that. Uh, He says, I'm just trying to make people's lives a little bit weirder. During the week, I'm a supervisor at an insurance company. I've got to hide my identity because I have four people working under me. I think it would be hard to hold the team together if they saw me like this. He's not wrong, is he? Right? I think if I saw my boss wearing something like that, Right? I, I think I'd struggle to work under him. But, but this is what he says. He has a story. Even weirdos like this, he has a story. And this is why the page is so good, because you realize that everyone has a story. You realize that the, the people you would never have even noticed, the people who, who you would notice, the people who are weird and strange, everyone has a story. Now, as we come together here today at Southside, the, that's the reality for all of us here this morning as well. All of us have a story. Right? All of us were born somewhere. Some of us were born overseas. Some of us were born in the backyard, in, in Brisbane. All of us have a story. We have things that happened to us. We have incredible lows that we struggled to get through. We had amazing highs that we would, wouldn't even believe that had happened to us. We've been things that we wouldn't even know happened to us except the fact that we saw it. We wouldn't even be able to believe it except that it happened to us. Some of us have been shot at. Some of us have worked overseas. Some of us, we, we've had amazing things happen to us. All of us have a story, right? All of us have a story. Now, as we work through this series called uh, Philippians, a part of something greater, what we see is that God has actually called us, all of us, to something greater. In fact, he's called us to be a part of a greater story, right? So stay with me here. Last week, we saw this, right? Last week, we saw that if my story is I'm born, I live for a few cars, uh, a nice home, I get a good job, and then it just ends. That's not really a great story, right? That's a letdown of a story. It's not that great. But we saw how God's called us to a greater story, right? Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. His finish is not the end. It's a greater story. And God has called us to be a part of that greater story, right? And so the question is, as we come together today, as we look at Philippians 2, the question for us is, in part two of this series, where do I fit into this greater story? Right, that's the question for all of us. Where do I actually fit into this greater story, to God's greater story? If I am a part of something greater, what's my role? Right, what character do I play? Where do I actually fit in? So, if you've got your Bibles there, let's see where we fit into the story. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul begins like this. This is what he says If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Where do I fit in with the story? Well, Paul actually begins with the fact that I fit in with Jesus, right? I I fit in with Christ. He uses the language there. We are united with Christ. Now, Now, here's the challenge, I think, with passages like this, right? This passage is very practical, right? The problem sometimes that happens with practical passages is that we only jump to the practical stuff. 
and we miss the stuff that's going on around it, right? So, so we jump to verse 2 to 4, we see how we're supposed to love each other, but we miss what's going on around it. I did this a few weeks ago at a, at a soccer camp, was encouraging the leaders to look not only to the interest of ourselves, but to the interests of others, completely miss verse 1. And that's the danger of practical passages. But, but what Paul's saying in verse 1 is actually crucial to the story. Right, it's crucial to the greater story. It's crucial to what's going on. And, and he's talking about being united with Christ. Right, and you can feel the emotion in his voice, can't you? As you look at it, he goes, if you've got anything from being in Jesus, if you've got any encouragement from being in Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship in the Spirit, if you've got anything, any tenderness and compassion, if you've got anything, right, and what he's talking about there is being united with Christ, being with Christ. Now, now this is a big deal. Right? It's a big idea throughout the whole Bible that we are united with Jesus. Right? And it's a big deal because of the fact that if we are united with Jesus, we get what he gets. Right? That's simply, the, it's the big idea. Unless we are united with Jesus, we don't get what he gets. But if we are, we get the good stuff that he gets. And we know what it's like. So it's like uh, what happens in, we, we see this what happens in stories all the time, in, in movies all the time. I feel like we watch this. So, Elizabeth and I watched uh, this movie a few weeks ago called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. It's, it's an okay movie, nothing to write home about. But, but in the, the movie, what happens is a few times, and you know the picture, right, as they're trying to get into a, a party or a club or a bar or, or just to watch a band play and they can't get in because they're not exclusive enough. Right, you, we've seen that, haven't we? Over and over again, we've seen that before. We know the picture. But then all of a sudden, Nora comes along, the main character. She's a big deal because her, her dad's something in the music industry. She comes along. She's allowed in, but she grabs the characters and takes her in with her. Right? You know this picture, don't you? We've seen this before. And why do they get in? Well, they get in because they're with her. Right? In a sense, they're united with her. They get the privileges, the benefits that she gets. This is the idea with Jesus. Right? We are united with Christ, so we get the good stuff that he gets. We get the privileges, the benefits, the joys, the encouragement of, of what he gets and the fact that he's God. Right? So we get what he gets. Right? This is really good. This is actually good news. But see, the thing is here, we can't just read that it's good. We actually have to know that it's good. Right? And you see how there's a difference there. We can't just see that it's good. We have to deep down know it's good. And so here's what I mean. So um, in my life, uh, it took me 18 years. So I was born in a Christian home. This is my story. I was born in a Christian home and so knew the good stuff that we got from being a Christian. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew what, what I got from being a Christian. I knew that I could have eternal life. I knew the good stuff that we could get. But I didn't really know how good it was because I didn't know what I should have got. I didn't know that I deserved death. I didn't actually realize that I was a sinner. It's not that people didn't tell me. I just didn't get that. Right? The full picture of the gospel is not just that we get good stuff. The full picture of the gospel is that I don't get what I deserve. Right? And see, when I got this, the good news became something from just something that I read to something I really knew. It's kind of like what happens when you're sick. You know, when you're sick and uh, maybe you've been sick for a few days I don't know, this is what I do when I'm sick. And I know that people have been sick longer than I have. But after like three days, I'm kind of gone. I don't even remember what it was like to be healthy. Right now, I know that people have been sick longer than that. But you're kind of just going, like, I just wish I was healthy again. I wish I could get up and move. Like, I, I, like I, could, I just wish I could think properly and do that. And so, so I just go, man, I wish I was healthy. 
if you've been healthy for a while, right, you don't realise how good it is. You're not enjoying how good it is to be healthy. You just do your life. That's almost what's going on here, right? We, we need to know how good this is, but to really grasp how good it is, we have to realise what we deserved. And, and what we deserved, and we see this throughout all Philippians, what I deserve is destruction. I, I deserve that. Right? And, and the picture throughout the Bible is that because I do bad stuff all the time, stuff God says not to, but even then I'm not perfect, so I don't do the good stuff that God says to do, God should punish me. Right? I deserve destruction. That's what I deserve. That's what my actions have earned. And we're all like that. We are all deeply sinful where we, don't do, where we do bad stuff and then we don't do good stuff. And so we deserve destruction. But what Paul's saying here. There's something greater, right? When we're united with Christ, we don't get what we deserve. We get the good stuff of being with Christ. We get the good stuff that he gets. And what is that good stuff? Well, he says it there. It's encouragement from being with Christ. It's comfort from the love of the God of the universe. It's fellowship and relationship with the Spirit. It's tenderness and compassion. This is the good stuff that we get, that we don't deserve. No, no, no. I deserve destruction. But in Christ, I can get this good stuff. This is the greatest story that Jesus is inviting me into. This is the greatest story we are a part of. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, God is inviting you into a greater story. A greater story where your end is in destruction, but your end is what Jesus has. Right? If you're here, God is inviting you into that. But for some of us, we are already are a part of that greater story. Put our trust in Jesus. We're united with Christ. We get the good stuff. So the question for us is, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in with this greater story? Well, what does Paul say? Well, he says, if you've got anything from being in Christ, if you've got anything from being Christ, any encouragement, any unity, any comfort, any love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness, any compassion, then, then, if you've got this, then, then what? Then, verse 2, then make my joy complete. Then be like-minded, then have the same purpose, and be one in spirit and, in spirit and purpose, have the same love. Then do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Then look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Where do I fit in with the story? Well, Paul basically says, I fit in to the story. Well, it's not actually about me. That's what he says. Right? He says something none of us really want to hear. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear that where I fit in with the story is that I've got to count others better than myself. Right? No, what I want to hear is if I'm united with Christ, then let's get people to serve me. Let's get people to give me money. Let's get people to do this stuff for me. Let's make it all about me. Deep down, that's what I want. But that's not what he says. No, God calls us to something greater. He calls us to something bigger, something bigger than ourselves. And what does he say? What does he call us to? Well, he calls us to loving people, loving our church, counting them better than ourselves. And the reason we will do that is if we grasp what we have in Christ. Right? You see how that first bit's so important. When we get what we have in Christ, we will love other people. So it's, it's like this. Um, I don't know how long ago you saw the Titanic. Uh, maybe it's a while. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil the story, but it, it sinks. So imagine, imagine that you're on that, though. Like, I don't know if you've, when you've watched that, that you've actually, if you've actually thought that. But imagine for a second that you're on that ship, right? You're, you're on that massive ship. You're in the middle of nowhere. The water's freezing. This is what you've got. And, 
And all of a sudden on that, on that ship, like it hits, a, hits an iceberg and water's starting to rush into the, the ship. What are you thinking? Right? We're freaking out. Our lives are on the line there. We're, we're worried for not just our own life, but for our families and our, our friends. Right? Water is coming in. We know that this thing's going down. The, the reality of death is, it, is it's imminent. Right? And then um, the ship goes down and, and we're all in the water. Right? Freezing. We know that death, that, that unless something happens, we're going to die. Like, this is the reality of what we got. And so you're grabbing whatever you can to stay afloat, but it's too cold. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's freezing. And so we're facing death at that point, right? There's nothing. We're, we're all there. Now, you know that in the water, right, class doesn't matter, does it? Status doesn't matter. How much money you earn doesn't matter. Nothing matters at that point because all of us are dying. All of us are in the same situation. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your race. All of us are at that point. We're dying. And unless someone comes to get us, we got no hope. Right? Are you feeling it? Unless someone gets us, we got no hope. And then, then all of a sudden, a lifeboat comes up. A lifeboat comes in and... You know, you've got that glimmer of hope. You look towards it. And, and as the lifeboat looks out, he doesn't see status. He doesn't see race. He doesn't see class. He just looks out. Everyone's drowning. And, and he comes and he, he grabs you, puts you on the boat. He grabs a few other people, puts them on the boat. What are you feeling? Right? You're, you're excited. You're thankful. You're, you're overwhelmed. You've just been saved from the grasp of death. You couldn't do that. You didn't earn that. He just picked you up. He puts you on the boat. You're, you're thinking how happy you are. He keeps going, grabs more and more people. What are you thinking at that point? Right? As you're on the lifeboat, what are you thinking? You're thinking, man, we've got to get more people on this boat. People are dying here. People are, are going to their death. We've got to get as many people as we can onto this boat. Or, or maybe you're not thinking that. Maybe it's a luxury lifeboat. Right? And, and, and you get on the lifeboat and you go, actually, I'm going to have a hot shower, right? have a hot chocolate, sit on the couch, watch some TV. And then all of a sudden, as more and more people go on, you start, you start getting annoyed that there's more and more people going on. The couch is getting fuller. You're looking around. There's too many people. You no, you no longer know everyone's names. That's really getting to you. You used to, but now you don't. It's, it's on the boat. Like, it's getting crowded. All of a sudden, there's weird people on there, people you don't agree with. But you're looking at going, nah, we shouldn't have really picked them up. Like, they're just a little bit different. What are you thinking? Isn't it obvious what you're thinking when the realities of life and death are right in front of, us, uh, right in front of you? Right? It's obvious. You're not thinking about yourself then. You're thinking about the greater thing that matters. All that matters on a lifeboat is that life and death is happening and we need to save people. That's all that matters. Right at that point, the, the gospel is the reality that people can be saved from the grasp of destruction to life. Right. That is the reality of what we're speaking about. That is the reality of something greater. It's the reality that people can be saved from death to life. God is calling us to this. And so where do we fit in? Well, Paul's saying love each other. Right, love each other. So let's think about this. The first way that this plays out as a church, we are the lifeboat. Right? We are on the lifeboat. We don't save anyone. Christ saves people, but we are on the lifeboat. Right? We know that. And so as we look around, we don't see class, we don't see status, we don't see where you came from, we don't see culture, we don't see race. All we see is that there are other people on this boat who got saved from the grasp of death to life. 
Right? And so as we're on this lifeboat, as we're in this, we, we love each other. We look around, we hear people's stories. We hear how they were saved from the grasp of death. We're working towards the same purpose because we know what realities there are. That there's deeper and bigger realities than just who's sitting on the couch, but that we need to save people. Right? And so Paul's saying God's calling us to love each other. And the gospel enables us to do that. The good news that I am not better than anyone else. Right? I- I'm not. I'm just someone who was bobbing in the water, facing death, but God graciously saved me. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And so the gospel disables, it disarms our pride and selfishness to think think somehow that I've done this. Right? It enables us to love each other as we look around and we see that people are just the same as us. Right? But there's a second way that this plays out. The second way that this plays out is that as a church, if we can love each other, If we can do this, people will see Jesus, right? People will see Jesus. If we can do this as a church, the stuff that he's talking about there in verse 2 to 4, if we can actually do this as a church, we have a real reason to believe that people will see the hope that we had, right? Because as people come into church, I don't see a place where people just meet who've got it all together. We don't have it all together, Just hang out with me for more than five minutes and you'll see that. We don't have it all together. The church is the lifeboat. We're just people who've been saved from destruction to eternal life. That's all we are, right? And so as people come, what they see is that the lonely and the sick, the the dying, the frustrated, the sinful can see where they're saved, can be pointed to Jesus as they meet with us. Right? And, and this is what we saw last week. I mean, if you've got your Bibles there, have a look at verse 1 to 27. This is kind of what Paul was saying last week. If we can do this, people will see Jesus. See, in verse 27, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved and saved by who? Saved by God. As we do this, people will see Christ. People will see Jesus. As we love each other, as we see the greater realities of life and death, people will see Jesus, right? As people come into us, as we count them better than ourselves, people will see Jesus, right? This is where we fit in with the story. We love each other. This is our role we play. We love each other. So the question is, how do we do that? Right, that's the question, right? Because if you've been in church for any amount of time, you realize church isn't people who've got it all together, right? We hang out with different people of different cultures, different agendas. We have big personalities who don't think before they speak. We've got different personalities who speak, who, who don't speak because they're still thinking. We've got everything, right? Everything under the sun and when we're told to get along. So how do we do that? How is it possible that we actually love each other? Do we just work harder, right? Is that what we do? We just work hard as this. Is what we do is go home and memorize verse 2 to 4? Right? Maybe that's what we should do. Each Sunday before we get to church, uh, stick verse 2 to 4 uh, on, on your mirror as you're brushing your teeth, memorize that. Is that what we do? We just work harder to love each other. Maybe we don't work harder. Maybe we just fake it till we make it. Right? Do you know what I mean there? Like we come to church, we smile, we ask people how we're going. And then we get in the car and go, what the hell was that? Right? Do you know what I mean? We just fake it. We just do that. We just pretend like we're all getting along. And maybe that's what you've been doing. 
right? So, so do we work harder? Do we fake it? What do we actually do? How do we love each other? Paul tells us. Paul tells us how we love each other. He doesn't say work harder. He doesn't say fake it till we make it. What he says is, he says, look to Jesus, right? It's that simple. He says, look to Jesus. The only way we will ever be able to consistently love each other is by looking to Christ. This is what he says in verse five. Have a look. He says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Are you catching how big that is? Right, Jesus, the highest of the highs, right, the, the king of the world, the God of all, the, the God who had angels bowing down to him, singing, holy, 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 day in, day out. This is God. He didn't consider that. He didn't hold on to that. He didn't say, no, I'm not going to earth because I'm God. He should have. He could have, but he didn't. He let that go. Why did he let it go? Well, verse 7, he, he made himself nothing. So the highest of highs becomes the lowest of lows, taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness, the king of the universe, the one who spoke the world into being, added to his divinity, humanity, and his being born as a, a baby. Can't fight for himself or fend to himself. He is the lowest of the lows, and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is what Jesus did. He's our saviour. Right, he died on the cross so we wouldn't have to face destruction for what I deserve. The king of the universe did this. But we know the story didn't end in the grave. He rose again and he was exalted and therefore God lifted him back up. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every knee, this is the picture, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is giving us the picture of the ending. He doesn't care about spoilers. He's telling us how the story ends. And the story ends with people looking to Jesus, bowing their knees to Jesus, whether you want to or not. Right, we get that, right? The picture is us calling Jesus Lord, whether we want to or not. This is the ending. And what Paul's doing here is telling us this so we marvel at Christ. So we look to Christ. He is infinitely more than just an example. He's the Savior, He's the King of the world, where the story ends with people bowing down to Him. This is the picture. This is the story. This is the ending. And as we marvel at Christ, as we look to Christ, the King who gave up everything for us, we are meant to marvel at it. We are meant to enjoy it. But only if we look at it will it enable us to love each other consistently. There's just no other way. It's only if we can keep looking to Christ that we will be able to, that we will be able to love each other, that we will be able to do the practical stuff in verse 2 and 4. Right? As we look to the greater realities... As we look to what's going on that's bigger than just us. As we see that we are a part of something greater. Right? As we see the greater realities that I deserve destruction. I deserve death. As we see the greater realities that instead of me facing that, Jesus took that for me. As we see the greater realities of the king who gave it all up for us. 
as we see the greater realities that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, as we see the greater reality that Jesus is infinitely and eternally more than just an example. He's the Savior and King. And as we see the greater realities that life and death is on the line and all that matters is people being saved. Do we feel the weight of that? Right? Because if we feel the weight of that, if we see these greater realities, we will love each other. Because we know what's going on. We can see that there's something greater going on than us. We are a part of something greater. And so as a church, if we can grasp this, people will see and marvel too at Christ. If we see the greater realities that life and death, that people are going to die eternally unless they see Christ. You see how this transforms us as a church? We move forward with one purpose, with the same love. We move forward in the same spirit, hoping that more people will see Jesus. Right? This, is what, this is what we do at Southside. This is what God's calling us, to be a part of something bigger. You know what I mean? Like we're, not, we're not getting a bigger church we're not building a church with 450 seats so we can just say Southside is a church of 450. Right? We're not about numbers. We want more people to see Christ because if they don't, they're going to die. They're going to they're face destruction. And you know what? We're, like, we're, not, we're hoping that 450 isn't what we hope. There's more services. We hope we fill out that building, not because of numbers, but because this matters, because there's something greater. This is how it plays out for us as a church. And as we do this, we will love each other. But the thing that's important is that we keep looking to Christ. It won't happen if we stop. The only way we'll ever be able to do this is by looking at Christ, the greater King, and see the greater ending. Let's pray that we do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. Thank you for saving us when we didn't deserve it. Um, in fact, what we deserved was destruction, was death. But you saved us from the grasp of death. God, we ask that that truth would transform our lives, not just individually, but as a church. That we would love each other, knowing that as we do this, as we count others better than ourselves, as we remember the reality that I'm nothing saved by someone that I'm nothing that I'm a no one pointing people to someone that as we meet together as a church we'll be able to consistently count others better than ourselves and that we just we ask that people would see you we pray that people would be saved we pray that these yeah we, we just pray that and we pray that we would see the greater realities that's going on that we are a part of something greater we pray it in Jesus name amen